Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin David Thomas. And I'm Robert W. Schneider. Hello, Robert W. Schneider. Hello, Kevin David Thomas. (laughs) Welcome to... Do you like how I talk like that? Given David Thomas. I want to talk where I don't no, speak. I don't no speak. basic bitch voice. No, it's not. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I feel like that's not really politically correct, but it, like when you're like, oh my God, you guys, you guys want to go like, do you want to like, let's go to brunch. You want to go to brunch? All I love brunch. It's like, like that. let's go to brunch like at like two. Is that too early? Let's go that, like You three. know what that is? That's, that's, yeah, a, that's a world without three. consonants. <laughs> it's just vowel sounds. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife uses the basic bitch voice as a joke, but now it's yeah. become so much part of her like normal voice that I'm like, honey, make sure that's not turned into your voice. <laughs> Can she bow? <laughs> Can she kick her face? I'm going to wear white all day, even though it's not Labor Day yet. It's going to be gray. I don't know who Hillary Clinton is, but can she bow? <laughs> Is she the new alphabet? Her hair is amazing. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> These are new characters. Oh god. Which are not gonna not gonna be as popular as Freddie Martinez. Ooh, Freddie Martinez. I still have a video I could post. Oh really? Of you doing it in the chair right there, yeah. Oh my god. I know they can see the real thing. Oh no, you don't want to see the real The real Freddie, Freddie Martinez. No, nobody wants to see the real <laughs> Freddie Martinez. Well, that might be true, but I don't know. <laughs> oh poor Freddie. I'm kidding. He suffered uh, enough. Life has been so I'm cruel kidding. to him. How cruel to him. <laughs> How cruel. Um, whoa, oh. something beeped. It's Freddie's agents. <laughs> they, they, uh, they sent us a Western Union. <laughs> Western Union. Crazy Billy? Yes, Martha. Stop. Crazy Billy. <laughs> Stop. I was doing some Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf oh, for you. I thought you were doing like a telegram. No. <laughs> Crazy Billy. <laughs> I just like the, I don't know. I, I like, I, I'm just obsessed what did it with. say, George? Guests. Guests. He's dead, Martha. What's a dump? What's that from? What's a dump? I don't know, Martha. <laughs> I'd like to see your George. Oh, my George? Yeah. He's supposed to, you see, I'm going to be honest with you. I used to act. Um, and then I gave it up for Lent. <laughs> um, and, um, but it was, it's one of those things that I'm like, if I, if I went back on stage, I have a couple of like dream roles that I'm like, Oh, I really want to, Oh yeah. Like I would love to, if that opportunity came up, I would take What's it. What's another heartbeat. one? Mr. Oh, McAfee. Mr. Ma- oh yeah. It would be George and who's afraid of Virginia Wolf, mm-hmm. Mr. McAfee and bye bye birdie. Um, um, uh, Herbie and gypsy. Oh, and, uh, uh, I would love to do if they ever did laughter on the twenty third floor, which is a play that like nobody. Well, isn't it really, right now on Broadway? Kevin Klein. Uh, no present, present laughter. laughter present yeah. laughter. My bad. No, laughter on the twenty third floor is the Neil Simon one. Oh, about, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that original theater about once. What it's yeah. called, about writing the writers, on, the, the guys writers who room. did like you yeah, know. I'd love like, to do the Nathan Lane part at some point. The Sid Caesar show. Yeah, kind of thing. but those are the only things that I'm like. Yeah, I would go back on stage for that. Otherwise, nice. I'm like, don't don't even. No, I'm, I feel much more comfortable directing something as opposed to being in something. Right. Well, there's a little element of acting as a director, isn't there, though? Well, you have to act like you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's true. You, you have, have to, to act, act like, like the, you like everybody. I was going to say, you have to act like the actor's ideas are really good ideas. Are I'm really kidding. Good ideas. I'm and kidding. you have to act like they came up with the idea. Exactly. Truth. That's a big one for me. That's a big, that's one, a really good one. That's a big one for me, making yeah. sure the actor feels like they created it. Yeah. Because I know I've worked with a lot of actors that are like, oh, 
I just have to make all the decisions. And I'm like, you just think you have to make That's all fine the by decisions. Me. Sure. I'm like, uh-huh. just guide you and push you in one direction. <laughs> That's why I don't work with Freddie Martinez anymore. We oh. came we came to blows over our production of Come Back Little Sheba. Oh he wanted to play Sheba. <laughs> don't like, do it. It's like, no, there's no cat in the actual show. It's no. okay. Um, it's all right, Mr. Martinez. Let's move on with your Same life. Same like the goat, goat and who is Sylvia. He was like, I want to be Sylvia. Boy, or that's the goat. another great play. And they were it? like, nah. I saw that. That was a, I saw that. that that's that, a really great play. That yeah, and that, play. Remember they, they, they destroyed that apartment. That, yeah. that poor set dresser, every single I show. I know him. You do? I know the guy who did the props for that show. Oh, that poor guy. I want to get or girl. I, no, I, his, Woman. Name, his name is Mike Smanko. He's been in the business for years. Oh, I want to get him on this podcast because he did that. Yes. He did Dream Girls. Oh, no. Someone he like did, that we definitely need. Yeah. Like a, a crew guy or someone oh, that God. like. He's got stories. But he designed. For those of you who don't know the GOAT, they're in a very tasteful uh, house. Elegant, oh, elegant yeah. house with all this beautiful artwork and stuff on the wall. And the wife throughout the entire second act destroys everything she throws all the vases and the plates so at the end it's just carnage yeah and every night they had to re replenish Whew. everything she destroyed the entire set it's absolutely amazing um freddie destroyed my entire set of hello dolly because he got drunk and fell through one of the the backdrops literally fell through and all i heard was i broke broadway <laughs> No, Freddie, Broadway like, broke you. And also, Freddie, you were, is this Broadway or was it on Broadway? No, yeah. no, Freddie, this, <laughs> this, is, this is theater in the square. <laughs> Little theater in the square, whatever it's called. Oh, oh my good. gosh. Memories um, like the corners of my mind. Oh, I like when you sing up high, Rob. You never go up high. You always I, go down low. No, I try not to go up high. Because it's not pretty. Oh, it is. Oh, it was nice. Thank Almost you. Give me chills. Thank you. <laughs> And now you have a fever. Yeah, fever and chills and lots of sick things. That's from my new musical, Illness. Uh, that'll be at the Lori Beachman on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. Nope. <laughs> I'm sure. Starring Vivian it. Blaine. <laughs> Starring Vivian Blaine as the thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> no one. I mean, if anyone gets that one, but I hope you do. Like that's. Oh my god! Do you know? I recently watched her do from that 1971 clip. Y- you know of got. You know when they yeah. did the 25th anniversary, and they yep. went back and and she her doing, um, Miss Adelaide's Lament is like a masterclass in comedy. Oh, she's brilliant. It's it's amazing because how many times have we seen a young performer sing that song and it's always been kind of like eh, it's funny, but is it funny? Like it's okay, but she. And it's a very simple, it's just, but you believe she's sick. You believe that she can't read. (laughs) I have a a feeling, my feeling is, is, you know what? I think it's wonderful when young performers tackle all like older material and try to make it their own. I think though, if unless you're Vivian Blaine or Elise Your Face Prince, please do not touch Adelaide's Lament. I think it's a hard one to to, to really nail. Can I tell you my favorite Adelaide's Lament I ever saw? I saw a production of Guys and Dolls at a regional theater in California in which the director decided that Guys and Dolls, the funniest musical comedy ever written, was going to be a parable about the downfalls of alcohol and gambling addiction. No, 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 it's no. I no. You listeners, you are not going to believe what I'm going to tell you. Um, and every word of this is true. When you came in and the house lights went down, they gave the announcements, you know, don't do this, don't do that. 
And if you know anybody that has an alcohol or gambling addiction, please call blah, 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 or look in your program for more information, like a PSA. The curtain then went up. The entire set was brown. Everything was brown, and they literally played Guys and Dolls as if they were doing Shaw. I am not joking. I am seriously not joking. So it was. It literally was, you know, good old reliable Nathan, 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 Nathan Detroit. Like it was like, sue me, sue, sue me. me. Yeah. What, what can, can you, you do, do me? I love you. Just marry that. the man today. I'm being okay. But Adelaide's lament like, was the best because no listeners, you are not going to believe me. <laughs> and I promise you every word of this is true. He exits the stage. She picks up the book. She then took her leg and put it over um, a banister. So you know how like you stretch, like people stretch at a ballet bar? Yes. So it's that. Like One, that high? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like like ground level. Like you're going to just like put it on it. Yeah. So it would be high. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's a stretch. And so <laughs> she, and she begins. It says here. And I'm like, okay, so what they're going to do with it is she's going to read the book while she's stretching out between performances. Okay? Oh, okay, sure. I'm like, okay, I see where we're going. She does the first verse, leg up on the banister. Second verse, leg up on the banister. Third verse. Just standing there with the leg, leg up, up leg on the just... banister. I swear to you, she did all of Adelaide's lament with one foot on the floor and one foot on this banister. She never took her foot down. <laughs> Ironically, sense. the funniest number in the whole show was more I cannot wish you. How is that possible? I'm not I'm not joking. I am not joking. Well, I guess when everything's taken at face value, I mean it's like <laughs> your sweet like, more I cannot wish. And like, your licorice just... tooth. <laughs> it was the angriest production of Guys and Dolls wow. I've ever seen in my life. So oh. anyway. Wow. Uh, I don't even know. That's, that's up the, there like with the version of Annie that Martin Charnin told us about that um where the, where they had to shut it down, but like the Annie where she like <laughs> she fell asleep and then she wakes up at the end of the musical and it was all a dream. She's back in the orphanage. There was no yeah. daddy warbucks, there was no rescue. Go, what the hell kind Ooh. of world is this? Ooh. That's good. I saw a uh, West Side story. I think we talked about this. Did we talk about the podcast, The West Side Story? Remind the fucking, me. The American flag came down at the end and shattered into a million pieces. No, that's intense though. Yeah, it was a large American flag like on a, a plastic thing and it just exploded and that was it and then it ended. And I'm like, no. What is this? I know. What is this? Worst thing I've ever, worst concept I've ever seen in a show. Yeah? Romeo and Juliet. Oh. A play you know very well. Yeah, How I Met My Wife. How You Met Your Wife. Um, in which the director of the show cast himself as death. He cast. Shut up. Oh, no, this is a true story. He, ca- he was the director, and this was at a prominent festival. He cast himself as the director. I mean, he cast, well, he cast himself as the Grim Reaper, um, and he literally followed Romeo and Juliet throughout the whole play. <laughs> In his black robe and his scythe. So I swear to you, this is a true story. At the end of the play, God, I'm such a horrible person. What's the last line of the play like? Tell his tale because now Romeo and Juliet are dead. Isn't it some like thing like that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it, yes. So that's exactly the, what it is. So the, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't rhyme it. Um, <laughs> so the entire cast is in tableau looking at the bodies of Romeo and Juliet. Right. And everyone freezes. 
and it literally took four minutes. I, sw- I swear to you, this is a true story. He entered from stage right. <laughs> Stop it. He weaved death. his way. Death. He's death now. Yeah, yeah. He weaved his way through all the frozen figures to look at them. He went center stage in front of everybody and with a deep restoration pose gave a bow to the audience. Like, I am death. You're my, welcome. My job is accomplished. You're welcome. And I swear to you, the person next to me said the only thing he killed was my Saturday night. <laughs> Cast himself as death. He also was bowing because he directed. He was like, you're welcome. Can you imagine though, no. at the end of Romeo and Juliet? I'm like Romeo and Juliet's pretty solid. Like you don't really have to add characters. You don't have to add shit really to Romeo to, and Juliet. Like some Shakespeare, you can, uh, you, can, you can take out some certain parts. You know what I mean? Like, like there are certain sections. I mean, they do that. Well, a lot of times with Shakespeare, you just kind of, you, you can, uh, you well, know, there are exercise things, yeah, There are some areas. things I think, yeah, that, you know, uh, you, you want to trim it. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. But, but what? do we, we don't need new characters. We <laughs> take away, but you can't. Yeah. Add new no, you characters. Can't, you can't do that. It's like that guys, not the guys and dolls I saw at this regional theater. Remember the guys and dolls revival on Broadway? Remember Damon Runyon was a character. That's right. He was our narrator. He would also show up. I wonder if that was the same guy who played death. Just show up and observe. <laughs> and then at the end, take your deep restoration. There you go. The only thing he killed was my Saturday night. <laughs> I love an audience member after a show they don't like. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like one of the only few people I think who liked If Then. I know a lot of people. Did I did not, not see that. I really liked it. Okay. Um, the people in front of me did not. It was an older man and his wife and an intermission, especially age. like that certain um, uh, demographic. Of that Peter demographic. Going, yes. He looked they don't at care. No, he looked at her in full voice said, if you let me stay home, then I would have had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're such an asshole. I thought it was good. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. I'll tell you, people love singing those songs now. Oh, from If Then? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, don't, I, I liked the show. I know a lot of people did not. And then, oh, my God, I do you ever get ashamed Like when everybody likes something and you don't like it? Uh, yeah. Or vice versa? Well, usually, it's something that I like that everyone's kind of like, really? You like that? Yeah, I get that a lot, too. There are a lot of things that I like that uh, people are like, well, you like that? And then uh, there are things that people like fall the, all over themselves I won't say what I saw recently, but it's something that everybody is just like. I'll say something. Oh, yeah. I I saw uh, Next to Normal, uh, and I saw the Feeling Electric before it was Next to Normal oh, yeah. at Second Stage. Did not like it there. It came they went you know they famously went away. It helped David Stone was in charge. Helped I mean they whatever they did they did a great job. They came back. It was it was nice. I was not I was not though moved the way all my friends were. Like I I just was not hit by it. You know it was just for me. I I appreciate it. I thought that's good art. But it wasn't like, ah, that's yeah, it Yeah, I, I had the same reaction. But I was definitely, I was in the minority. So I interrupted you. But like that no. was, that was I, I can, I can, that's, that won the, what, didn't that win the Pulitzer? I mean like that. Won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. In a year, that was controversial. Do you remember? They, Next to Normal won the Pulitzer Prize in a year when they weren't even nominated. Oh, right. There were three plays that were nominated and the Pulitzer Prize committee said, we don't want any of those. We want Next to Normal. That, that was a big deal. Yeah. I, I liked Next to Normal. You know, it's one of those... Sh- I mean, I'm, I'm horrible. I like all musicals. There's always something I'm going to find right. where I'm like, that's so intriguing to me. Right. That was one, though, but people had a very visceral reaction to it around me, and I didn't. Uh, 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 Next to Normal? Yeah. Same. I appreciated it. Same. But people, I mean, it really hit a no, chord. I was like, wait, are... are 
Are we at the same show? Like, I, 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 thank God, because I'm. You know, maybe we didn't have. We haven't had to deal with a lot of the issues that they had. That's to deal what with. I think. I don't. I, I yes. I also felt the same way with um, with Dear Evan Hansen, which I loved. Which I, I really. I, I, I got to see it. I oh, okay. I it. I really loved it. And at the end, I thought to myself, like, what a lovely, lovely story. But there were people around me who were weeping, strangers holding each other. Oh. Um, yeah, and I and I think just you know I I did not have that reaction. Yeah. But for some reason, let me listen to Dolly Levi do her monologue to Ephraim, and I'm sobbing like Here. a baby. I mean, any commercial from the early 1980s, and you're just like in the fetal position on the ground, holding yourself. I know, I know, Rob. I know, I know your tastes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. AT&T. <laughs> oh, God. I love Jason Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we have we even gone to favorite things yet? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we talk about favorite things. <laughs> oh, thank God. I'm, I'm, we're c- recording in GarageBand, and I forgot to set it to time, so it's giving me measure numbers, and I, all I saw was 483. <laughs> you were like, And oh, I'm like, God. we talked for 48 minutes about guys and dolls. Yeah, I have I have weird react, but then it's I always feel that if there's some that I always feel like I need to defend my opinion. Mm. I'm like, well, I'm not mm-hmm. the, like I'm not attacking. Or if so, if if I like the show and you didn't, I'm not attacking. Yeah, you. it's like art. You like Picasso? I like you know some Kandinsky. People, you know whatever. I love Kandinsky. Me too. He's my favorite. Oh, I think he's such a good painter. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so excited because Six Degrees of Separation is coming to Broadway. And uh, with Alice and Jenny, and the whole play is about Kandinsky. I, I did Those read Kandinsky that. Kandinsky paintings. That's cool. I lo- oh, my God. I love Six Degrees of Separation. That's another play that I'm so happy they're going to revive. Wow. There's I think so it's such stuff. a good play. There's a, it's a good season. So it's really a good season. season. Tony season this year is going to be really it's exciting. It's insane. Right? I know. Think of all the... I, w- I was saying this to me. I don't think it's a weak season. And even the shows, you can say, ah, I didn't do this. This one didn't do that. Overall... I don't think there's a dud in the bunch. There's I really so don't. Much. And I think I've seen all the musicals that have opened this season so wow. far. Yeah, I've been trying to be really good That's about really that. Impressive. Really, really good. And I'm happy with you. everything that I'm seeing. I, li- I like yeah. that. Yeah. And then there's some stuff off Broadway, which looks really exciting too. Like, mm. um, oh, if you get the chance, I don't know if it'll be in a theater, a city near you. Our former guest, the wonderful Ed Dixon, wrote an amazing play that he talked about on our podcast called Georgie, which was about the life and times of the great character actor, George Rose, whom he had a very strong friendship with. Um, I'm always wary of one-man shows. Mm. That, and I, that's a horrible thing to say that I go in with a preconceived notion. I've just seen so many that uh, they don't do it for me. So I went in going, I love Ed and I love George Rose. You know, I'll, I'll give it our best shot. It was so moving and it was so wonderful. And Ed's work on it is so incredible. And Eric Schaefer, who directed mm. it, did a brilliant job. So if Georgie oh. comes to you, go see Georgie. It's Georgie. Called Georgie. Gotcha. Um, and it's Ed Are there Dixon. songs too? No, it's Ed. It's, it's a one man show. I mean, wow. Ed sings a little bit a cappella. Okay, but it's not. But there's yeah. no, yeah, there's no piano. There's no wow. songs. And it's a really beautiful, moving experience. And I, I originally thought it was going to be just a, a bunch of anecdotes about famous Stories. people. Yeah. Uh, and it would be a lot of name dropping. And it isn't. It really is about uh, the, the trust that we place 
in our mentors and what happens when the mentors do something to lose that trust yeah. and how crushing that is. Uh, and it's no, it's no secret, I think, what the George Rose's issues were. George Rose had a penchant for much younger... And, and was murdered. Men, and was murdered. And was murdered in an yeah. island in the Caribbean where he had a house yeah. where he had, you know, a... Young man. If if you don't remember George Rose, he he won the Tony Award. Uh, Ed tells this amazing story that I I didn't even know, and I feel so bad for not knowing it, that George Rose was in a musical, right? A musical in the 70s. No, it was a play. It was a play? I'm telling the story. He was in a play. He was the leading actor in the play, and the Tony Award Committee nominated him for a supporting actor. And instead of suffering that, he withdrew his nomination. And he, was a, he wasn't really a, a big name at that point, but he's like, I'm not a supporting actor in this play. I'm the lead actor. So he withdrew his nomination. When they did the revival of My Fair Lady in 1976, he played um, Alfred Doolittle, mm-hmm. and Ian Richardson was Henry Higgins. And they nominated George Rose in Best Leading Actor of a musical category. Wow. So there was Doolittle competing with That's crazy. Henry Higgins and he won. Wow. And George Rose won wow. the Tony Award. So for those of you who don't know George Rose, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have any film work left behind because he mostly was focused on theater. But the, what you might know him from, he was the modern major general in the Pirates of Penzance movie with Kevin Klein. Then he played the Master of Ceremonies in Edwin Drood. And he was very beloved. He was this wonderful character actor, but... There was a dark side. There was a big, big dark side, which was he was he liked young, young boys and had a relationship with a young boy and was uh, killed over it. Um, and it, that's I'm not giving anything away, but the story the George Georgie is a really marvelous play. Ed Dixon is wonderful, and if you get the chance to see it, go see it. Cool. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a favorite thing? <laughs> Yes. Part two of part, my favorite, favorite thing. Is, part two uh, of my no, favorite thing. I have. Is, uh, I do have a favorite thing. I have a favorite uh, person, actually. Uh, you know, it, I'm right in this room. In my effort to make sure that you know certain people aren't forgotten in this business, that we are unable to interview because they have left us far too soon. Uh, this is another person that can that belongs on that list. Um, and I, it's funny because this this woman um, really was behind a lot of other people becoming successful. And she, well, she was really fascinating. She started out as a ballet dancer. Um, I think you're going to know the name if I say it. The great Joan McCracken. Oh, my God. Now, you may know Joan McCracken because you may be like, and some of you out there may be just scratching your heads right now. But Joan McCracken, if I may, she died way too young. She was only 43 when she passed away in, in, uh, in 1961. She was born in 1917 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, and by the time she was in 10th grade, she was hired by George Balanchine to, to dance at the School of American Ballet the very first uh, time they you know, opened in class. Um, and what, but there's many interesting anecdotes about this incredibly fascinating I think strange, wacky woman who I think must have had a really good time partying and also got to know some amazing circles of people. And I'll talk about those in a minute. But first, I just want to talk about her performing side. Please. Um, you know, you would maybe know her. She, she first came to prominence because she was in Oklahoma and she was uh, 
she was, quote, the girl who fell down, the silly girl who fell down, or the girl who falls down in Many a New Day, which was this like sort of shtick thing that she and someone, they, they, no one can agree on who came up with it. But it turns out she was a really funny lady as well. And so she sort of innovated this idea that uh, she was a regular ensemble dancer who made a name for herself by sticking out. And then she got more attention. And then more people like said, hey, who's this Joan McCracken lady? She's interesting. So she started being funny and started having all these like little moments in the show. And then she was cast in Bloomer Girl, which I don't know if you've ever listened to that Harold Arlen show from 1944. Oh, yes. It's a fantastic score. Agnes DeMille. Did I do like it as a favorite thing? I don't think I have yet. But she she sang a song called Tomorrow. It's like a strip seas Tomorrow, Tomorrow, strip seas strip tea song. And she didn't have the greatest voice in the world. It was brassy. It didn't have a big range. But it was, you could feel the personality emanating from her. Um, and this is a woman who started out as a Korean dancer and then slowly worked her way to become, uh, you know, a lead. Uh, not slowly, pretty quickly. And then Warner Brothers hired her to do a Hollywood Canteen, uh, the movie, which I've never seen. I have a feeling you probably have. I think it's a long old, time it's ago. Old, yeah. She did one song called Ballet and Jive, but she didn't like the way the Warner Brothers acted and didn't like the way they did things in LA. So she went back to New York and she starred in, that's when she did a uh, bloomer girl. And then she also did B- billion dollar baby. Um, and good news, the movie as well. Oh, um, so, but here's the cool thing about her that first of all, she was a real, a real feminist, a real strong female who in the time in the forties and fifties where a lot of sometimes women didn't perform and they were housewives and they did other things. She was, a, she, she, I mean, Bloomer Girl really was one of the first feminist musicals ever. I mean, it really is about a strong female who changes the way, you know, wear bloomers instead of, you know, it, it's, it, there was a feminist message and it is considered to be one of the first feminist things. But so she was married to two different men. Uh, and she had a big influence on both of them. The first one uh, she was married to from 1939 to 51, Jack Dunphy, who, when I say that name, a lot of you may may know who that is. But um, he was more famously associated not with Joan McCracken, but he was partners with Truman Capote. So, and a lot of people say that the character of Holly Golightly that he wrote, Breakfast at Tiffany's, is... Joan McCracken. Mm. Um, there's a lot of anecdotes that he incorporated in. I think there's a moment where she tears up a dressing room or a room. And when Joan McCracken found out that her brother passed away in the war, World War II, she tore up her dressing room. Or she would take voice lessons with Kay Thompson and she would insist on taking off her bra because she felt like it restrained her. So in which at the time that was kind of a little wacky. But she preventing she, me from having a great I'm voice. I'm looking at you, Rob, and it's just, I don't know. It's my playtex one that I got from <laughs> Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Tie that she back. Said, she sold it to me in the commercials. Um, and then this. Oh, go but ahead. Sorry. Her second marriage is the more fascinating one because she married to Bob Fosse, and she really was the motivating factor behind him becoming a choreographer. She got him Damn Yankees, so that was one of his first breakout. Um, roles and and as choreographer i mean it, it she and then also she helped out shirley mclean she helped shirley mclean get her start as well she seemed like a very selfless person who when she believed in somebody she was like goes all in i think it's fascinating that she was intertwined with the circles of truman compote and had an effect on him that she had an effect major effect on bob fossey then he ultimately left her to be with gwen verdon and then her, her health and oh 
I should say that she she was a dancer, then she became an actor, uh, and then she after she had all the success being the star of musicals, she decided she didn't want to sing as much anymore, and so she went to the actor's studio and trained to become a legit actor after she'd already become a star. So then she went on to do like the Bertolt Brecht play um, Galileo. That was like one of her first real hardcore oh, acting wow. roles where after she had been known as doing one thing, she took her career and said, no, 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 no. I'm going to control this and I'm going to push it this way. So uh, Joan McCracken really, really fascinates me that um, in a time when, when I think women weren't given those kinds of opportunities to reinvent themselves and to make a name for themselves in that way and to promote so many other people and to not really get the credit for it. Um, I think that's a crime and I would, I, I just want to make sure that we don't forget about this, this incredible woman. I think that is so lovely and so wonderful because she is someone who's, who did so much. And like you said, fostered the, the growth of so many people's careers and we don't really acknowledge her for that anymore. No, she only, she only really worked for 15 years. If that from like mid, mid 43 through, well, like 60, you know, and her health declined because she had diabetes and her health declined. And so she wasn't able to perform anymore. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I look for it. There is a biography that, that is, has been written. I have not read it and I would like to, um, called the, uh, a girl who the girl who fell down because that's where she got her start in Oklahoma as the girl who fell down. Incidentally, she was in Oklahoma with Jack Dunphy. They were in that, they were dancing in that together. And that's, that is incredible. Yeah. That's so. I love cool. those old. You what did, know. I'm so sorry. What did she pass away from? Di- complications, diabetes. High complications yeah. from diabetes. Yeah. Poor thing. I know they because and they didn't have the the technology that they have today to deal with it. With, oh my yeah. gosh! But um, but not forgotten. Go, gone, but not forgotten. Right. Gone, but yeah. not forgotten. What do you have? Mine is um, a revival. Of a musical. All right. A specific revival? A specific revival oh. of a musical. Pajama Game. No. No, 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 no. Was no. in the last 10 years? Uh, no, it wasn't. Oh, actually, you know what? It was. I know it was not in the last 10 years. I have to actually look up on my notes when, when it was. Uh, but it was not in the last 10 years. It was in the 1970s. Are we going to talk about No, No, Nanette again? You know, <laughs> just kidding. I am not. <laughs> I hate you. I am not always into No No Nanette. I'm really into No No Nanette. <laughs> I know you love No No Nanette. You say I yes, yes, it. Nanette. No, you know there's a sequel to No No Nanette. No Net. No, no. There is a sequel. <laughs> they're, there. they're there. They're there. They're there. Nanette. Yes, yes, Yvette. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I don't know that much about it, but as I understand it, it's about her her like cousin who's in Paris who says yes, yes to everybody. And, uh, is there going to be a third one? Like maybe, maybe to Madeline? <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe Madeline. Madeline. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Madeline. Uh, so, uh, w- so what Sorry. year was uh, is your is your revival from seventies? Uh, Ma- you said yeah. It's uh, nineteen seventy three. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Um, the reason that this show came up was because uh, within three days, we lost three of the cast members of this revival. Um, we lost first our former guest, George S. Irving. Mm. Then we lost Carrie Fisher, who was in the ensemble. And then we lost the next day after that, Debbie Reynolds, who was the star. Oh, Irene. It's the revival of Irene. Oh, yeah. In 1973. Music director Jack Lee, who was my music, mentor. Music director Jack Lee, directed by... Uh, uh, Sir John Gielgud. John Gielgud. He told me crazy stories about that. Right. 
Um, so for those for those of us who are unfamiliar with Irene, um, anyway, uh, the point. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm I'm so scattered. I think I'm still <laughs> the thinking whole about episode that. has been like this. It's all good. <laughs> I think I'm still thinking of that Guys and Dolls production where she put one leg up on the banister. Oh my gosh. Was that on this episode? <laughs> Or am I repeating something from a previous episode? Is there anybody here to help me out? Line. Line. Can somebody give me my line, line please? <laughs> line. Chorus line. <laughs> um, so when, when, when that happened, when all three of them passed, so it was just so fast yeah. and so sudden. Um, I was like, I, you know what? I never listened to Irene. I was like, I've never really listened to Irene. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, like, I'm going to sit down. Listen to the cast recording, and I fell in absolute oh, charming love with it. The music is by Harry Tierney. The lyrics are by Joseph McCarthy. Not right. the senator. With some added... Sorry, yeah, not the Bless senator, you. Joseph McCarthy. With some added little, like, I'm always chasing rainbows as Chopin. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the play was so the musical originally came out in 1919, and it was it was based on uh, a play by a guy named James Montgomery. The play was called Irene O'Dare. It was set in New York City's Upper West Side, and it focused on an immigrant girl. And so it's it's the typical Cinderella. You know what's so interesting is on a lot of the favorite things that we've talked about, we rarely talk about musicals before the golden age. Right. Because in the, I mean, I classify it as they're the Cinderella musicals. And those to me are the musicals between like 1915 and uh, Showboat. Like all the ones that are named like Sonny, Sally, oh, Sandy. Oh, Sally, I, I, all <laughs> that. I feel like they yeah. all had like one name. And then like, I feel after the the Showboat and after the Great Depression, then before the golden age, I call, I have what we call the champagne musicals. Where it's the real sophisticated, you know, they're all in tails and the women are in evening gowns. Totally. Anyway, what yes, I'm saying is yes. we don't really talk a lot about anything before the golden age. So Irene comes out in 1919, and it's one of those Cinderella musicals where she's poor, he's rich, and the things that are really, really separating them are uh, their ethnicity, which was something... Because, you know, in the Cinderella story, they can't be together because of economic status. Mm. What was really cool was in this period, in the Cinderella musical, because we had so many immigrants coming over from Europe, we had a lot of Cinderella stories where it was, she's Irish, she's Italian. He's Polish, she's Russian. So that was another added element that was really indigenous to us. So anyway, the show was somewhat success. I mean, very successful, in 1919, it was the longest-running musical in Broadway history, uh, and that's a record, yeah, seriously, that it maintained for wow. literally two decades. Then they did another revival, but the one that we're talking about is the one from uh, 1973 that starred Debbie Reynolds. What people forget is that Debbie Reynolds at this time was not really marketable or remember, memorable. She had done Singing in the Rain, then they tried to put her in uh, things like Tammy and all those like they tried to make her like a little Doris Day type. Yeah. Then they gave her some darker movies to do. So she was in flux. Her career was in flux. Yeah. So she decided to take on a Broadway musical produced by Harry Rigby, who was the same guy that produced No, No, Nanette. And yeah. was fired from the own, his own show that he was producing by the producer Seema Rubin, best wow. known as Lonnie Ackerman's mom. Amazing. And Lonnie Ackerman was now known in that. I was going to say she got her role because of that, but that is not true because Lonnie is so incredibly talented. Exactly. It's ridiculous. And if you read The Making of Nona Nanette by Don Dunn, he says that, that Lonnie is actually quite talented on her own. But anyway, the Nona Nanette thing, along with then Grease, kicks off the nostalgia craze. And so when Harry Rigby's looking for his next project, let's get 
once again, a musical from yesteryear that no one remembers, Irene, and we'll add in a big star that's kind of fading a little bit. And for that, it was Debbie Reynolds who said, I really need my daughter to be in the show as well. Uh, the director was J- John Gielgud, sir. John Gielgud. <laughs> John Gielgud directing a musical. A musical. Shakespearean John Gielgud. Who apparently did not really have a lot of direction to give them. No. Because you said Jack Lee. Jack would tell me, I, you know, and this was a while ago when I first came to New York and I studied with Jack, Jack being the music original music director. But uh, he, he did say that there it was like, a, 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 just say a rudderless ship, let's just say. It, it, especially when they were, I believe they were out of town in Toronto and it was really messy. And he left. I mean, Gilgut left. Yeah. I mean, they that, he was gone. And he and I don't think he and Debbie got along very well. Do you, <laughs> I love John Gilgut. Do you ever see him in the movie Arthur? No. Where he's he's the butler. He, you know, it's the only Academy Award he's ever won for saying such lines as, do you want me to come in there and wash your dick for you? You pathetic little shit. That's literally. I'm sure he's so happy about that. That's how, that's how he got his Oscar. Wow. Um, so anyway, like you said, the show is beset with problems. First of all, you have a guy directing a musical who's never directed a musical before. He's never really been in a musical before. Has no idea what the hell he's supposed to do. So that's an issue. Um, and then... Also, which is similar to what they had, what Harry Rigby had on No No Net, which is remember they hired Busby Berkeley to direct it, and that didn't work out. Yeah. So you would think the second time around he'd be a little bit more judicious. Like, so needless to say, uh, Olivia, Olivia, um, uh, uh, Gielgud leaves, replaced by Gower Champion. Yes. Right. That's right. Billy DeWolf uh, was supposed to play the very effeminate uh, dressmaker Madame Lucy, mm. um, and he leaves, and who replaced him? George S. Irving. Oh my goodness! Who then gets a Tony Award for his uh, performance? And the the show was um, uh, it was a hit, but there were some weird things that happened. Like in one performance, Debbie Reynolds loses her voice. Mm. Do you know this story? Have you ever yeah, heard this I story? Yeah, I believe I have heard this story. She loses her voice. The understudy is going to go on for, and I, oh my God, I forget who the understudy was at the time. I'm looking here in my notes to see if it's there. Oh, I, I think it might be Janie Sell. I think it's going to be Janie Sell. I'm not sure. So Janie Sell is her understudy, and uh, they're like, well, we'll put Janie on. And Debbie says, nope, they've paid for, because they paid for me. They're going to get me. Janie's not ready to go on. Not like in terms of talent, but she hadn't been prepared accurately. She goes, I don't want her making a fool of myself. I will make a fool of myself. So Debbie Reynolds, in front of a paying audience, goes out on stage and does Irene in pantomime while John Gielgud from The Wings reads the lines. Can you imagine that? No. Can you imagine that? So that's okay. So anyway, so they're in trouble, right? Things start to get better. He puts in Patsy Kelly, who got won a Tony award for her performance in no, 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 net Monty Markham, who we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier as the Mm -hmm. leading man. And the show is actually really, really successful. And it is the first theater, sorry, the first show to be in what theater? This was the inaugural production of the what theater? Of the Broadway theater. Of the Minskoff. You're so good. Am I right? It was the Minskoff. Yeah! It was the Minskoff Theater. And wow, that's I, a big theater for that show. I mean, that's right? a big flashy musical, but still. And it broke box office records. Oh my gosh, I also forgot. Because it did well, right? I mean, it did like. Well, here's the thing. So the reviews themselves were a little mixed, mm-hmm. but but when the show was doing an out-of-town trial in D.C., 
it president nixon and his family saw the show and he raved about it and everyone said well if president nixon likes it then it must be a good show and that's what helped break the box office records and you're right there's songs in there like um uh you know i'm always chasing rainbows Mm. uh they go wild simply wild there's a great opening song alice blue gown Sorry, I just totally cut you off. No, Alice no, Blue Alice Bluegown's a good one. And there's another one that girl, that women, young women could sing. That's a great opening number, and I just can't think of the title right now. But it's her like "I Want" song. It's like her, her like you know. Dun, 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 dun. Are you sure it's on Alice Bluegown? No, it's like I'm gonna be something someday. <laughs> that's not it at all. I'm gonna be a, oh, the world must be bigger than an avenue. Yeah, Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue, New York. Music great song by Wally Harper. Wally Harper, yeah. yeah. So, the, so was always a rehearsal pianist for many years, and I and I remember Jack telling me all about him as well. And it was Barbara Cook's right hand man. For yeah, like a number of years. Oh, and so, but I mean, the score is so fun. I mean, so let's so like, like we just said, we have Alice Bluegown. The world must be bigger than an avenue. They go wild, simply wild over me, which I love. Uh, I sing it in the shower all the time. <laughs> um, then we have oh. Uh, one that I love, and Debbie Reynolds performs it. I'll, I'll put out the U- YouTube clip. You made me love you. You made me, me love, love you. I didn't, didn't want to do it. it. That's a great I one. I didn't want to do it. But you made me. You made me to you, and all the time you knew it. It's great. It's like an old soft shoe. Yeah, it's an old soft shoe. Um, it wins only one Tony Award. Um, it won for George uh, 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 S. Irving. For a supporting ah, player, good. He deserved that. Yeah, and then uh, she she went on tour with it for a little bit, and then Jane Powell took over. Uh, we have so anyway. I'm wondering. It's a marvelous score. Score. It's a very. I think the the new book adaptation that they did. I think Joseph Stein did that book. Maybe not. It's not Joseph Stein. It's gonna drive me crazy. I want to say. Oh well. Um. Sorry. Whoever the actual new book writer is. Uh. Mm. I'm wondering. It might be an encore thing at some point. Ah. Uh, with the right star too. With the right story. But we really don't look at those Cinderella musicals all that much. Um, and I think it's because they're so old-fashioned. Well, we like our Cinderella's, to, like they adapted Cinderella. Like we need to have a stronger, we don't want to have like a, oh, poor me thing, you know. Oh, we wanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to like a strong alphabet type, you know, that we that, want, we that, want little, really? that little girls can look up to. Absolutely. And not to say that they can't look up to the Irene no, type. No, 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 no. But it's something that a lot of those musicals, um, we might never see again, but it doesn't mean that the scores really aren't special. Yeah. And so if you get the chance, listen to the revival cast recording of Irene starring Debbie Reynolds. Love that. Great. Thank great. You. Check out Joan McCracken. Joan McCracken. Yeah. Just so, read up a little bit about her. Listen to her sing some stuff or or just uh, educate yourself a little bit more and listen, learn about her special lady. And the name of the book again? Uh, the name of her bio. The Girl Who Always Falls uh, Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Girl Who Fell Down. The Girl Who Fell Down. Yeah. So The Girl Who Fell Down, great book on Joan McCracken. Look up all of her work. And then take a listen to Irene to honor the memories of George Irving, Carrie Fisher, mm. and Debbie Reynolds. And listen to our George Irving uh, interview and from listen to about our a year George ago. Irving. Yeah, where that he talks fun. a little bit about yeah, the process. Cool. I'm so, I mean, I'm... Uh, I'm so sad George passed, but one thing that I'm we're both honored by is that we were the last interview George ever gave yeah. before he passed. Yeah. And uh, I think if nothing else, we should be very proud of that, and it's something that's very special. I only wish we had been able to catch him for a part two. I know. But Same. on the other side, we'll get part two on the other side. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. 
Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 